Welcome to the Bicultural Podcast. The Bicultural Podcast celebrates bicultural individuals and gives insight into cultural differences to help you improve business relationships. The podcast is presented by myself, Janina Neumann, the bilingual creative, social entrepreneur and business owner. Welcome to the Bicultural Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Nadia Nicola, Director of NNP Communications. Hi Nadia, how are you? Hi Yanina, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name's Nadia. I am originally from South Africa, but I have lived in the UK for over 20 years now, not necessarily that you can tell from my accent. Um, in South Africa, I qualified as an attorney, but uh, I wanted a change of tech. That was one of the reasons for immigrating. And so when I came here, I studied and again, and requalified and started working as um, a consultant at Accenture. And then I um, moved on to uh, working in training and development, and uh, that ultimately led to a career in writing, which I now do, and I consider myself now a specialist in communications. That's fantastic. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about your business? So because of my background in law and having practiced as a solicitor, I felt that it would be the most appropriate for me to target my um, communication skills to uh, the legal profession. It's also something that, in my experience, um, uh, lawyers aren't actually that brilliant at and could do with a bit of support. What I do is I I focus on smaller firms, um, sole owners, and uh, up to, say, three partners or um, a partner and a couple of fee owners um, to uh, help them market their firms and to let people know what it is that they do and to stand out from their competitors. I also help them to sort of formulate in their own minds um, what is their USP, what they have to offer, why they are special, who they are targeting, what it is in particular that they want to do for their customers. And uh, yes, I I find that quite a useful exercise. Um, I think that once you're clear on those things, that selling yourself becomes a lot easier. So that's what I try and do to help lawyers who are not necessarily specialists in the marketing side of things. That's a fantastic niche. And just from my experience, I've always found that bicultural people are actually fantastic at putting themselves into other people's shoes. So they can actually help um, communicate um, with their clients better. So I can see how um, those skills are really valuable and how you help other people. So that's fantastic. Uh, that's an interesting perspective. I've never thought of it that consciously, but you're right um, in that uh, I consider myself always having had to be a bit of a chameleon and sort of, uh, you know, uh, fit in. And it makes you hyper aware of how other people communicate because you want to communicate yourself in that way in order to make yourself understood and it's you have to learn it deliberately. It's not like when you're born into a culture where it's automatic. So you're quite right. You learn to listen to these um, sort of cues. 
that you wouldn't necessarily have to do or have you know know how to do if you weren't bicultural. You're quite right. Yes, that's what I certainly found as well. Um, particularly because you want to integrate well into the culture, so you do have to understand how they communicate, but also not to perhaps stand out when you don't want to stand out. Um, so <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So when did you become bicultural, Nadia? And so I find that a really interesting question because, again, it's not something that I have um, been conscious of. It's not like uh, the transition happened from one moment to the next and I thought, oh, now I'm bicultural. Um, It was – I found the first move I made um, that I was aware of was when I was six years old and we moved from South Africa to Israel. It wasn't, in a way, it was expected, the culture shock, because it was a different language. And I I knew that the society would be entirely different. And being bilingual in Israel sort of set me apart as um, uh, as someone who was bicultural. So, so that was, I suppose, the beginning of my consciousness as being bicultural, would be from around the age of six. The interesting thing is that when, as an adult, I moved to the UK, uh, we went back to South Africa when I was 10, and I grew up in South Africa, and then as an adult, I moved to the UK uh, at the age of 10. And at that point, I was not expecting to experience that biculturalism again, because having been raised as an English-speaking South African uh, and with a very uh, English flavour, to um, the English-speaking South African, British English flavour, to uh, English South Africans, I expected a seamless transition into British culture, thinking that I was already immersed in that culture. And that was when I really became aware of being bicultural, because that was a big shock to my system, finding out that, in fact, my culture was very different from the British English culture despite the, well, again, what I thought was a common language, turns out there were a lot of things that are not common. Yeah, that's really interesting. So could you tell us a little bit more about um, some of the differences um, between the cultures? In a way, it's funny. South African culture is very outspoken, very blunt, uh, honest, is how I would put it. Um, I find the English culture, or certainly the way of communicating, let's say way of, rather than culture, let's say way of communicating, uh, I would say is much more obtuse so and opaque. So, for example, um, if as a South African I would say that's interesting, that genuinely means that I find this thing interesting and I would like to discuss it a bit more or read up about it or something like that, I found in the UK that referring to something as interesting, particularly if you're in a business meeting, meant that this thing was totally ridiculous and never to be looked at again. And I found that quite so. So I, I was in my early days in this country and working in this country, I got stuck a lot in these sorts of misunderstandings, if you like. And this is refers back to our earlier point about having to learn the language in order to not stick out. I found myself once being referred to as a breath of fresh air, which I thought was a tremendous compliment. In fact, I I still choose to take that as a compliment. 
But I suspect that's not how it was meant. But in English speak, what they were saying is you're different. But it's rude to tell someone that they're different. So you say, oh, you're a breath of fresh air. Um, another thing, for example, even with my family, my husband's English, and sometimes I find communicating with his um, family challenging in that, for example, well, I've learned now after, you know, 11 years of marriage, but um, like I'd say to my sister-in-law, will you guys come around to us for dinner on Friday night? And she'd say, I'd get back to you. So Thursday I phone, I say, you haven't got back to me. Are you coming for dinner tomorrow, aren't you? And she was so surprised that I had pursued this at all because as far as she's concerned, she'd said no. But I hadn't heard a no. I'd heard I'll get back to you. Yeah, so it's things like that. But, you know, 20 odd years on and I'm learning. <laughs> I'm getting the hang of it finally, slowly. Oh. Well, when I say that's interesting, I honestly mean I find that interesting. <laughs> so I've also heard your breath of fresh air and um, you're right. Um, <laughs> they probably did mean I'm different. But then also I think being business owners, I think you need to be different because, um, you know, the client can't solve their own problems with their own thinking because otherwise they would have solved them already. So they actually need a new way of thinking. Yes, yes, I agree with you absolutely. And and now that I'm much older and wiser and more confident in myself, I'm quite I quite enjoy being slightly different. I quite enjoy having a different perspective and, and a more international take on things. And I, I can draw on all these different cultures that um, I've had exposure to. And I do believe that that enriches my offering to my customers and, and just generally, you know, in my life. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, you know, when you're 20 something, you don't want to hear that you're different. You want to know that you fit in. You know, that's, you know. <laughs> thank God I'm past that. Now, I, I certainly felt that when I was growing up in the UK. Um, yeah, as, as a teenager, all you want to do is fit in. And only when you you know start to grow up you realize actually you don't want to fit in <laughs> I think yes. every teenager goes through that and it's a bit more challenging sometimes when you're trying to integrate into a different culture because <laughs> you don't know what to do <laughs> yes yeah, so how, how to fit in how, how to make yourself fit in quite so what is a great way to build a relationship with someone from South Africa just be yourself just uh... Um, no airs and graces, no um, obfuscation. Just say what you mean and mean what you say. I think that's really what's most appreciated. That's brilliant. So do you think um, when it comes to business in South Africa, do you think um, things are a lot more straightforward when, for example, conflict arises? Um, so I... I left South Africa before I established myself there in a business sense, but I did work there. I, I um, you know, I qualified as an attorney and I practiced law for a couple of years while I was there. And I can honestly say that there is a level of efficiency. Um, I know South Africa is not necessarily known for its efficiency, so it's a bit ironic, but in just being straightforward, being blunt, saying what you mean, um, and and also because because everybody communicates like that, you learn not to take things personally. So you don't, you know, there's no like ruffled feathers just because I said you're doing it the wrong way, you yes. know. Um, and it's so much easier just 
to hear you're doing it the wrong way, this is how I want it done, than to hear, you know, what you've done is really interesting. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, I find it uh, really uh, quite challenging. You know, like, I, I mean, I've had bosses who would take 20 minutes to get to the point, you know, and I'm sitting there dying thinking, just tell me what you want. <laughs> And so in South Africa, you don't have that. In South Africa, they tell you what you want. They tell it to you there and then straight. And and, and I think there is a level of efficiency there um, that's, uh, you know, very uh, commendable. Saying that, I think that British people, people who've, who were born here and immersed in this culture, they do understand it. So, like, for example, they would, if, if their sister-in-law had said to them, I'll get back to you, they would have understood that that was a no. Yes. So I, I think there's an element of me making it inefficient because I don't get the lingo, you know? Yes, that's a great, that's a, that's a great point, actually. Um, because that's, that's, that's how you would take it, you know? You would understand that between the lines that they're saying mm. no. So for them, it is an efficient way of communicating. It's just me <laughs> who finds it inefficient. You're certainly not alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know thank you (laughs) how do um south africans build trust do you find it it's more relationship based or do you find it it's more task based what what's your experience been i think relationship i think uh, this uh, very open and honest communication is um is very useful in building trust i also think that um There's a physical element, uh, like, for example, when I first moved to the UK, I became, I I started working here immediately as I arrived, and I became quite good friends with lots of people that I worked with. Some I never, ever got invited to their homes to this day, and some I did eventually after we spent many hours eating lunch together, having drinks after work together in some neutral setting. Um, eventually after a year or two of this like you know sort of back and forth I I would finally be invited to their homes I find South Africans quite different in that sense Um, they're much more open um, in terms of uh, having people over to their homes and and opening their lives if you like because once you've seen somebody's home you know a lot more about them don't you it's it's quite an exposure in a way yes Uh, and I have found the South African culture and the Israeli culture as well, for that matter, much more um, open house type thinking, as opposed to the British friends I have where we generally meet on neutral territory, you know, like uh, at uh, at a park uh, in the summer or at a restaurant in the winter. Uh, So, yeah, so I I think that also um, has a lot, that contributes a lot to the building of trust. getting to know one's families, one's children. That's very common in South African business, uh, getting involved in sort of people's lives outside of just the pure uh, transactional sort of uh, relationship. Yes, I can imagine that because when you know how they communicate with their family also, for example, you understand what type of person they are perhaps. Um, So you can actually build a better relationship with them. And you see a different side of people because I think the way I am with colleagues, for example, is is quite different. I mean, obviously, I'm still me at the core, but I'm quite different with colleagues, for example, than I am with my husband or with my children. Yes. Um, it's a, 
I they bring out different things in me, I suppose. Um, and and my headspace is is different when I'm at home from when I'm in the office. So I feel like um, uh, there's an advantage of people getting to know you uh, in another dimension, in an additional dimension, which also again helps to build trust. Gets to know uh, they get to know you better, therefore hopefully like you better, trust you more. Yes, and I do do think it is an advantage. I think a lot of people might shy away from that because they might feel like, oh, they perhaps see me in a not so good light. But I suppose, you know, for example, if for you got stressed about something um, at a family dinner and they saw how you reacted, perhaps they would actually understand, you know, why you react in a certain work environment. They would then understand it's just because you're stressed. So they would perhaps take it less personally and how you communicate with them, which actually is to your advantage because people have a better understanding. Yes, yes, exactly. They they sort of get to see the whole person rather than just one bit of them. Exactly. So could you tell us a little bit more about is um Israeli culture? So the Israeli culture is very similar to the South African one, ironically. So going back to what I said right at the beginning, I expected a culture shift when I moved from South Africa to Israel more than I did when I moved to England. And in fact, the reverse is what happened. So the Israelis are also, I mean, unbelievably blunt. They actually make the South Africans look quite English. Um, they uh, really, there is no such thing as uh, not not expressing a thought. You know, yeah. there's this idea that if you have a thought in your head, it has to come out your mouth. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no filter. Um, so I can't tell you how many times I've walked in the street where I've been shouted at because my shoelaces were undone. <laughs> You know, some prophet has told me that I'm going to fall. <laughs> Can't explain. Like the Israelis, maybe it's because they're constantly at war, or um, you know, there's always an, a, a sense of of threat. But they really they live for the they live for the moment. I find some other cultures, and again, back to the English culture, there's a there's a sense of people just existing. I never find that in Israel. In Israel, people really live. You know, they take advantage of absolutely every minute that they're alive and they do something with their time and they do something with their energy and they, you know, they, they make the most of it, of, of everything. Um, and I, I, at times it's quite overwhelming. I mean, the way I say it, it sounds very positive and to, the, to a large extent it is. It can also, though, be very overwhelming and quite exhausting. Um, but whoever's been lucky enough to spend some time in Tel Aviv, and I really recommend it, that you just you absorb this energy almost by osmosis it sort of seeps into your skin this uh, and and you can actually physically sense like feel this um energy that that exists around you and that's uh i'd say that's the biggest cultural difference the sort of high octane uh high energy sort of way of living like i said which can be amazingly good fun particularly for 3 days at a time but bloody exhausting to actually live in I think I've felt um, similar things um, with um, having P- Persian um, friends <laughs> around. Um, you know, they 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 live also for the moment, and they actually spend a lot of time together and build those relationships up. And uh, they are full of energy as well. And um, you know, I can from that perspective, I can relate to 
and you know, how it can sometimes be exhausting because you want to give your full self, but you sometimes, you know, for me, for example, I'm sometimes a bit reserved as in I try and filter my energy. Well, I don't know. They have such an energy for life and it's really inspiring because it uplifts you, you know? Yes, it does. It does. It sort of it almost makes you better for having been there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it can be very exciting, but it also can be very draining. But yeah, I mean, but also the bluntness, the openness with which they communicate, the openness with their homes, you know, all of those things are all extremely familiar to me and that I'm comfortable with because of my South African upbringing. You know, it's very, um, it, it, it resonates with me. It's, it's what I know. So, you know, there's no such thing as um, keeping your different aspects of your life siloed. You know, people just don't do that. Your life is your life. And it's, you know, um, and it's all an open book and uh, take it or leave it sort of attitude. Again, like I said, it could be a bit much sometimes, but quite refreshing as well. Yeah, it is refreshing. And just coming from a German culture, they tend to compartmentalize. So work's work and your home life is your home life, you know, and I did find that when I first opened my business, I I've kind of struggled with that because I didn't, you know, people would try and get to know me, but then it's almost like I didn't know what I would want to tell them about me, you know, what I do in my spare time. But then I realized it is actually really important to share a bit more about you because it makes sense of why you do th- the things that you do and they understand the passion behind what you do. So I think it is really important to open up, even though it might feel a bit odd at times. Yeah, and look, of course there are things that are private, and I'm not suggesting for a minute that, you know, that you need to reveal your deepest, darkest secrets. Yes. But, uh, but, but there is an element of also in terms of in order to be successful in business, if you want someone to buy from you, you have to let them get to know you a bit. Yes. Because... Uh, th- they're not going to buy from you if they don't know you, you know, especially the kind of work that you and I both do that requires relationship building. It's not purely transactional, like here's my widget, buy my widget. Thank you. You know, that'll be two pounds. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a lot more complex than that. It's a, it's relationship building and it's trust and it's a lot, and it's an ongoing relationship. It's not a one-off for that kind of business, for that kind of product or service. One really does need to establish some kind of, you know, relationship based on knowing each other I totally agree and it's so much about actually understanding the other um, person so the more um, you can communicate with them and how you would handle things which sometimes you know you have to open up the better you can do the job and the better you can actually build that trust in the long run so I definitely agree with that absolutely it's reciprocal of course yes it goes both ways for sure so um, I've pretty much covered it. For anyone listening, I'd like to say um, if I do offend you with my bluntness or my openness, I do apologize. Absolutely not intended. <laughs> um, I would never knowingly ever um, upset or insult anybody. Um, and I'm getting much better at knowing what not to say, um, but still things slip sometimes. So apologies in advance if that ever happens. <laughs> Um, but yes, no, I think um, on that note, I have to say that I've had a very, a, a very happy time. It sounds like I'm just moaning about um, the UK the whole time, and that's not the case at all. I've been very happy here. 
Well, I've never felt that you misunderstood me and you're such a lovely, warm person. And actually, like we said, you know, being bicultural and having these experiences makes you a better communicator. And the the whole um, aim of this podcast is to give people insights into other cultures so that they can understand them better and perhaps also sometimes adapt their way of um, communicating. So Nadia, if people love listening to you, how can they best connect with you and how could they work with you? So um, so firstly, thank you very much for the lovely things that you just said. If you need any kind of help with any kind of business communication, so you know who it is that you want to target, but you're not quite sure how to speak to them in their language. If you are looking for funding and you need someone to help you with a presentation to funders, um, or if you're looking to create some kind of company presentation. Anything that requires any kind of communication, written or oral communication, I am very happy to help with that. So, Yanina, I've also loved um, chatting to you, and I just want to say that as soon as it's safe to do so and we can meet in person, I am definitely uh, looking forward to meeting you and enjoying some of the Persian food that you've learned to cook. <laughs> Yes, I have learned to cook a lot of Persian food uh, during lockdown. And yes, of course, my house is open to you. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite cuisines. And also, I'd love to meet you in person. I've really enjoyed talking to you online. Likewise, it's been so fantastic to connect with you and to learn so much more about you. So I think that would be a great way to meet. Great. It's a date. It is. Thank you so much for today, Nadia. It was wonderful to speak to you. Thank you for having me. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Bicultural Podcast. Thank you for listening and bis bald.